Welcome back. Or will we? That's the beauty of a time travel show. Anyway, today's show is sponsored by... Gav, what do you drink? I'm drinking Carlsberg today. Excellent. Well, that's just an infinitesimally small chance that someone from the brewery is listening and they'll send us something. I'm drinking Leicestershire Bitter. How I'd is rather, it? I'd rather they didn't send me that, to be quite honest with you. Not enjoying it, then, Well, it's fine, but, I mean, you know, if going to be send me something, they should send me, you know, something good, at least. Anyway, uh, so, Doctor Who, we're going to be talking about, from now on, each, each of the shows. Apparently, that's the plan, yes. at least. This can't possibly go wrong. So, uh... What about Doctor Who in the 60s compared to Doctor Who now? Gav, do you have any thoughts? Nah, not many. But if we're talking about Doctor Who... You have at least 3.3 million per second. Viewers? No. No, no obviously not. Well, back in the 60s... Yes? Colour hadn't been invented yet, obviously. Not at all. No one had no. any colour. There was no colour whatsoever. No. Life was a bit boring. No Rusty Davis. No. No sexy time travelling adventures that had just committed genocide on his own race. No. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. Life was boring. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was just a, it was just the doctor was a crotchety old man with, uh, with his granddaughter travelling with him for some reason. Not that there's, not that that yeah. uh, didn't end up with like 74 million different stories written by fan fiction mm. about that. And as we get to see uh, who his daughter is, or granddaughter, should I say so? Yes. It's be, no wonder he's a bit crotchety. <laughs> yes, she is a bit miserable, isn't she? And whiny. So what else apart from what is that? Uh, well, each of the episodes is 25 minutes back then. And whereas now, usually the story is one episode of 45 minutes, then you would go from four episodes to, at the most, I think it was about seven or twelve. So very slow uh, storytelling back then. So one nice storytelling, storytelling, storyline, told over a few episodes. Yes, generally. Over a as, period as, of a few weeks. As we'll see with this story, The An Unearthly Child, yes, it probably could have been told over a few weeks, even, you know, non-stop. Right. So, uh, yeah, would you like to tell the listener, the listener, not listeners, the listener about <laughs> the synopsis of An Unearthly Child? Well, the first of the four episodes was called An Unearthly Child. Yes, another thing, each of the episodes was called something different, but I suppose that's a bit like today as well. So carry on. Despite the DVDs that they're collected in being collected under one story. Yes. Title, if you uh, like. And people used to argue about what the yes. stories were called. But yes, An Unearthly Child. There you yeah. go. Anyway, the action begins with Ian and Barbara talking about a student, Susan, who... Grades have been slipping a bit. Ian clearly loses interest in whatever Barbara has to say, and I don't blame him. Ian then hits on Susan, who appears to be autistic. After getting refused, he follows her home with Barbara. She goes into a warehouse 
and when looking for her, Ian finds a police box, box sorry, which belongs to an old man. Ian eventually gains entry to the police box, which turns out to be a ship of some kind, and after arguing with the old man inside and a short scuffle, the ship starts up and Ian is now in another sort of planet time period. Who knows? They've vendored somewhere else. Which is probably for the better, as who'd want a couple of paedophile stalkers teaching at their school. Well, quite. Two things. It's not a warehouse, it's a junkyard. Secondly, yes, I should mention, Gav has a bit of a man crush on Ian, the companion. Um, so, so we can just ignore all that. Uh, and uh, episode two. Firstly, I do not. But anyway, the second episode, Cave of Skulls, we see cavemen struggling to make fire without the elder, who obviously like the prestige of appearing godlike and never taught anyone how to do it. And being a man of science, Ian obviously doesn't believe they've travelled in time. It's probably just a quarry or somewhere. The scientist, Ian, does a little exploring while the old man gets captured. Meanwhile, Zar, one of the cavemen, the leader, apparently, is still missing, and Cal makes his claim to be the new leader, citing his ability to capture old men as proof of his capabilities. The scientist eventually shows up with Barbara and joins the old man in the Cave of Skulls. Look, can you at least call the old man the Doctor, for God's sake? I know you like Ian, but, you know, at least, at least call him the Doctor. If I have to, go on. The third episode, Forest of Fear. An old man breaks into the cave of skulls where Ian is held with the Doctor. She obviously likes the cold as she offers the Doctor freedom in exchange for the continued situation of having no fire. They venture into the Forest of Fear where the Doctor rightly recognises Ian's role as the leader of the group. They stop to help a wounded caveman after Barbie falls over tomorrow's breakfast. Then the old woman dies. Episode 4? Episode 4. It's called The Firemaker. The Doctor, having previously previously used his time-space machine to watch CSI, works out who killed the old woman, and Kal-El is banished. Kal-El then later returns to challenge Zar, the leader, to a strobe fight. Unfortunately for Kal-El, Zar isn't epileptic and loses. The Doctor and Ian, the other two don't count are again held captive, sticking a flaming stick inside a skull, they invent the first and worst fireworks display ever as a distraction and escape back to the TARDIS. Yes, it it did look a bit like uh, Ghost Rider as well, didn't it? Probably had better better special effects than the first Ghost Anyway, uh, yes. It, w- it wasn't fast-paced at all, was it, what, those four episodes? In oh. fact, he's probably done the first episode in five minutes. No, and certainly that second episode, it was just people, two people, arguing about who's the best at not being able to make fire. That's democracy in action for you. If only real real politicians, you know, would have to make fire to, to, be, uh, to be our leaders, that would be fine. 
So it starts off at Coe Hill School uh, with Susan Foreman, who is who's just rubbish at pretending not to be from this planet. Yes, a trait that eventually passes on to all companions. Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, but most of them are from this planet, so that's okay. But it is the least of her annoying tributes, uh, to be honest with you. And this whole thing about them going the going to the scrapyard, the the two teachers uh, following her home. Not that there's an invasion of her privacy in any way. The two teachers following her home, and and just assuming I can't understand why she's disappeared. Not assuming that maybe she's a hobo and that's where she lives. <laughs> I mean, what's, not that there's anything wrong with that. Well, apart from, you know, being a hobo. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. c- couldn't they just assume that and just go on their merry way instead of going back to 100,000 BC or whatever it was in those days? Well, it probably was till 100,000 BC in those days as well, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, and then there's the uh, there's the issue of the episode titles that I like, which seems to be a commentary. For example... The second episode, The Cave of Skulls, you never get to see The Cave of Skulls until the cliffhanger. Yes. And has nothing to do with the episode whatsoever until the cliffhanger. It's just, yeah, they're not, not very good episode titles. Or, to be quite honest with you, episodes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love Doctor Who and all that, but, I mean, it is. this is 48 years old, it is very slow storytelling. I mean, I said the first episode could have been done in five minutes. The next three episodes could have done and been done in two minutes. You could have held the whole thing in a webisode in six minutes, <laughs> and it'd have been fine. But there were, mm-hmm. to be fair, there were good things in it. Uh, can you think of any? Well, I enjoyed the first episode, to be honest. The first episode was good. It wasn't. I mean, it was. It, it could have been done. It, it could have been done shorter, but it was was a good episode. There were good bits in it. You know, the whole the mysteriousness mm. of, of the TARDIS. Um, Ian saying the TARDIS being alive, which is indeed is the first mention of that. And people from the future, Susan, trying to integrate with the past. Yes. Unsuccessfully. That, no, yes, that, that's obviously an allegory for uh, for migration within today's society. Probably not. No, probably not. No, but it might have been. I, I did like when they eventually uh, got to the to the past, and well, the whole thing about them getting into the TARDIS, and then because they were arguing that it's just it's just a police box and there's nothing wrong with it, and then they get into it. And and then you know it's obviously bigger in the inside, which is obviously crazy for their for for Ian and Barbara's minds. And then they're still arguing with them that it just can't travel in, in space and time. I mean, come on, it's it's bigger on the inside, isn't that isn't that enough? Shouldn't you believe everything the doctor tells you now? Well, Ian seems to like try to work things out for himself. It was oh, analysed now. Let's that's, that's not, that's not talk about Ian, thank you. Come, come and play. Yes, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then when they get to, to the year 100,000 BC, which apparently it is, Ian wants concrete evidence of where they are. And ironically, there is no concrete. It's 100,000 BC. Where are they going to get concrete from? This cold sand, though. Uh, and they're going to make concrete from cold sand, are they? 
Still got done. <laughs> you do. Brilliant. Oh yes, and another thing. The whole mention of Doctor Who within the actual episode. There's two mentions of Doctor Who. And I'm going to count every single time someone says Doctor Who within within the series. Because I'm sure it'll get to at least three billion by the time we get to the new series. Indeed. Doctor smokes a pipe in episode two. Which uh, I thought was interesting. Not that he ever smokes a pipe again. Didn't it? I actually missed that. Yes. Were you drinking mm-hmm. at the time? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. I don't remember the Doctor of drinking beer, I have to say. Uh, I don't think he played a violin either, but then I don't think he was trying to pretend to be Sherlock Holmes throughout the entire episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going back to the uh, companions and discovering the TARDIS, etc. Yes. They did the walk around the TARDIS, but it was before they knew about it. So does that really count? Yes, the whole uh, companions walking around the TARDIS mm. before... Yeah. Yes, because you have this thing about... Was it Russell T. Davis? Yes, he mentioned it in that. About him saying about uh, when they, whenever the companions go into the TARDIS and they say it's bigger in the inside, then they come out and walk around it again. You, you just don't like Russell T. Davis, do you? Have? I like Russell T. Davis. I have... Not some problems with him. You have many problems, but anyway. Uh, and yes, and back at the school, there was a pointless scene, which was Susan just uh, putting dots of ink on a bit of paper for some reason, and then folding it to make a Rorschach, and then drawing around that. I already not, told you she's autistic. I'm not sure what the point of that scene was, unless she was foreshadowing Watchmen. But I doubt she was doing that. Um, uh, uh, well, she might have already seen it. She might have. She might have already seen Watchmen. Yeah. Maybe she thinks she's Rorschach from Watchmen. I, what was uh, Rorschach that whiny though? Did he? Did he whine as much as? as no, I don't think he did. It was Rorschach is the Doctor's companion. That would be good. That would be good. I don't think the Doctor would like him though. The Doctor doesn't like anyone in this incarnation. That's why I like him. He's a crotchety old man who doesn't like anyone. That's why he's so good. In fact, I don't know why I said who doesn't like anyone. I should have just said crotchety old men. Because they just don't like anyone. That's the whole whole raison d'etre. He especially doesn't like the humans. Well, who does? Can't live with them. Can't move to Umakrai Percy, I think. But that's not till future episodes. We don't know that yet. What? Even though we've he watched him. We don't know that he doesn't like humans. Mm. When well, he visits Earth every three minutes. Yes, but we haven't watched that in this current room film yet. Okay. I'm going to pretend I haven't seen any Doctor Who. We can't do that. No, obviously. I tried to do that, but... Uh, you can't. What about this whole scene where the... They, they have the injured caveman, I believe it was Tsar. And rather than having to look after him, the doctor picks up a rock and goes to beat him to death with it, but Ian stops him. That's not very our doctor-like, isn't is it? I mean, that's the I think no. that's the first and only time you would ever see that in Doctor Who. Possible. 
Possibly. 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 That's what you have to say to that. Yeah. The sixth doctor could probably do it by accident. Sixth doctor, yes. If there was acid lying around, he could probably could have done that quite easily. Or they would have been shocked by his stupid coat. But we'll get onto that in a second. Yes, I could, I could see it. But, but I just thought it was interesting that that was at the start. And then if you look at the, the character now, especially in, in Stephen Moffat's series, well, uh, well, Stephen Moffat and Russell T. Davis, they're, they're trying to make him out to be a passive, well, not a pacifist, but a, a, but a soldier who doesn't, who doesn't like violence, basically. Who gets other people to do his violence for him, really. Yes. I suppose, but uh, with the Eleventh Doctor, Moffat showing him not to be, well, to not be afraid to take it to the enemy. Take is it a, to the max. Yeah. Is a, is a bit of a hard ass if you uh, get at him. Yes, I, I can see that. But he would, but he certainly wouldn't. Uh, well, the point, the point with this first Doctor incident here is there was no malice. He was just being a bastard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> First there was doctor, no reason to do it. First doctor, <laughs> bit of a bastard. <laughs> yes. So write that in your copy books. First doctor, bit of a bastard. Uh, yeah. And and this was the first mention of the doctor as well. I think he was talking to Susan in the TARDIS just before they landed of not wanting to give the humans, uh, you know, give them any technology or you know let them see the, the TARDIS and technology or not want to interfere in their culture and which will be mentioned again and again in, in, in mm. Doctor Who especially in ancient history and all mm. especially she covered for it so well in class yes she, she mm. was excellent in class she wasn't she was awful but, but that was the first, that was before Star Trek three years before Star Trek's prime directive well however many years before Star Trek's prime directive to be honest with you do you have anything so, no. further to add, Gav? No, for this episode. I think that's about it for me. That's about it for you. Right, so finally, quote of the episode. Gav, do you have one? Well, mine, uh, it comes in the fourth episode, just after Susan makes the Ghost Rider skull. Oh, yes. And then Ian says. And I like that one, not because of the quote itself, but just because it reminds me of a famous sketch from the Two Ronnies. One of the most famous sketches. And that's all. Brilliant. Which no one will get. Which no one will get. <laughs> uh, uh, along with the ending of our show. So uh, Maybe we can link to it in those uh, notes. Maybe we can link to us in our notes. Do we have notes? I don't think we do. Excellent. Maybe we can link to us. Maybe we get a time travel machine as well. Uh, so anyway, my quote is whenever the Doctor and Ian and Barbara and Susan are in the TARDIS before they get out onto the uh, Neolithic era and Ian's still complaining that it's not the Neolithic era because he's just a whingy bastard. Uh, my, my quote is what the Doctor says to him, and I just think it's an excellent quote for something that's, you know, from 1963. But anyway, uh, let's listen. It's your awkward 
touch the avian sand and hear the cries of strange birds and watch them wheel in another sky, would that satisfy you? So that's what he says. I think that's just quite a good thing to say. Well, certainly interesting. Mm-hmm. Final thoughts then on the episode, Gav? It was uh, it was a good first episode. It flowed well, plenty happened. It introduces characters, Pretty well, d- the despite its flaws. The next two were very slow, but overall, I think it was a decent introduction to the series. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with you. The first episode I liked. You know, it could have happened a lot quicker, but it was fine. Uh, just the next three, they just seemed to be captured and and released a lot very quickly. You know, and then captured again, then released, and then captured. But then, to be fair, that's like Doctor Who for the next forty years, isn't it? But yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't too bad. There, there have been worse things to happen in Doctor Who, as I'm sure we'll find out. Yeah, like Russell T. Davis. Yeah, if you're going to go another Russell T. Davis route again, <laughs> need I remind you that you're an idiot? I don't need reminding of that. No, you don't. But you'll forget. Yes. Well, we yeah. also have um, emails, amazingly enough, uh, with what? questions. Already? <laughs> Already, I know. Uh, and they'll be the last, believe me. People will listen to this and think we're never doing this again. Um, the first question, I believe, is from Superior Lynch. Yes, we got this one via Twitter. He says, Which doctor do you think had the best outfit? And which, besides the sixth, do you think had the worst one? best outfit I would say would be the seventh doctor if you if it wasn't for his stupid jumper with the question marks all over it interesting I, yeah I think I think yeah, yeah. Uh, fifth I do like but it is a stupid cricket thing uh, fourth doctor's too obvious yeah I think I think I think the seventh what about you? Yeah. I think, despite the fourth being too obvious, I think it's probably my favourite. <laughs> the whole scarf, the hat, and everything. I think it just looks brilliant. It's that's that's just you, isn't it? It's just me. Yeah. Obvious all over. I am so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> and who's your least favourite? I would have to go with the seventh. The seventh. Then question marks really annoyed me. Did they? I hated those question marks. I will have to get a question mark pullover and wear it every single day. The doctor just lost any hint of subtlety he ever had. It just <laughs> ruined everything. Time right, right. and space. Okay. What comes before seven go? Six. Yeah. Subtlety? Six. <laughs> what? He didn't have question marks all over him. He had two question marks on him. On Not his all over him. No, there was just, bad he enough. Just, he just had multi colours all over him. And I don't as mind multi Some space serpent was just violently ill over him. So he's not going to get into a nightclub where? No, well, are any doctors going to get into nightclubs? Yes, the 10th. Uh, the 10th doctor's going to get into Not with sneakers, he's not. Paul McGann would get into any nightclub. Paul? Yes, yes, Gav loves Paul McGann as well. The day Paul McGann and Ian team up will be the day Gav dies of an organ. 
So, yes. next question. Next question. Gentlemen, casting aside my usual cynicism and doubt, I have to tell you I am excited about this thing. Who has time to watch a TV show these days? Especially one with so long and complicated a history as The Good Doctor. Finally, I can outsource my viewing to two drunken flatmates in England. My question for you is this. How do you account for the overwhelming popularity of the Doctor in your home country since his inception in the early 60s? Or, to put it another way, how is it that the UK, or Great Britain, or England, or whichever is the incorrect usage here, embrace something so unapologetically nerdy in mainstream culture nearly half a century before the US, and no fair fit falling back on the British people are smarter than Americans argument. Might I remind you that both Big Brother and American Idol began on the shores of your fine island. Anyway, this isn't meant to be my country versus your country thing. No cheap shot, please. Yours, etc. Ron Algarwatt, deceased. Yes, first of all, I would like to apologise for Big Brother and American Idol. I would like to uh, also apologise apologies yes. as well. Yes, yes, it, it is just... Yes, anyway. There was no need for it. <laughs> There's just no need for it. Oh, We're sorry. <laughs> but, uh, Gav, do you have any thoughts on why, why Doctor Who is so popular? I'm afraid at this juncture I would probably have to uh, agree with uh, Russell T. Davis. Oh. When he said that basically Doctor Who is the greatest storytelling vehicle going. You can tell any story in any time, in any genre. Yes, it doesn't need to be... It, it's not It's not uh, confined within within certain... It doesn't even have to be within certain people or certain parameters. You can go anywhere or any time. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's no limit. To what story you can tell. That's quite right. Basically. And well, that's true, because uh, and and it just can change. It can and well, it helps with the uh, the, the main actor can change all the time. Yeah, that is another genius. So it basically means so, yeah. yeah. So it basically means the uh, it can change from ear to ear as well. You know, from uh, a change from I mean, the sixties to the seventies to the eighties, it can just change to whatever the, uh, the the prevailing mood of the nation is at then. And it all still makes sense within the story. Within the story, yes. That's that's not say it makes sense within the forty-eight years framework because it doesn't, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't at all. That's continuity for you. Do you have any other thoughts apart from that? I have many other thoughts. Any relating to the question? Uh, Any relating to the question. Uh, Oh yes, well I was just going to say it helped that uh, I think the the viewing figures were helped by the the, the scantily clad women that that were companions throughout the 70s. And being on after match of the day, which was the football show. So you know the dads would watch match of the day and then they would uh, stay to watch foot, you know, the football for cheap titillation, basically. I never actually knew it was on after the football. It was on after the football. Well, there you go. I learn something new you, every podcast. You literally do. And what's this, your third podcast? 
I learn never to do another podcast, <laughs> and then instantly forget. That's that's you all over. Um, so yes, that's it. Um, if anyone actually has any more questions, they can uh, say to me or Gav on Twitter. Gav is uh, uh, at Simibuys. And I am at Irish Gav Brown, or there's our show email account. Yes, we actually yeah. have one. It'll never last. What is it, Gav? It is drunken time travel at gmail.com. Not sure why it's called drunken time travel, but there you are. Although we cannot. We, we like drinking. Well, Although we cannot guarantee there may be another episode. We can always guarantee things, we just don't necessarily follow through with them. So yes, um, next time if we do one, it's it's the next episode, which is the first appearance of the Daleks. Excellent. So it's or not, as we may find out. As we may find out. So it's uh, good night from me, and it's good night from him. <laughs>